0: Hi, this is episode 60 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have chapter 10 of The Apple Stone by Nicholas Stewart Gray, and chapter 10 is called Big Game. We stood in a row in the orchard and looked at the elephant. It was not so very large as elephants go, but it was large enough. As big as a dray horse, only bulkier, and it was green. It looked back at us with tiny, crinkled eyes and swished its little tail. "'Where's the other?' it said, in a voice like a snore. "'Where's the other what?' said Joe. "'The other me!' There was a pause. "'Do you know what it's talking about, Douglas?' I asked. "'No, why should I? "'It's your responsibility. You did it, remember?' "'You agreed,' said he. "'This was true. "'He'd suddenly announced this evening "'that he hadn't had a fair chance at the Applestone. "'He said everyone else had had a turn, one way and another, "'and he should now be allowed to decide on something. "'We said all right, with reservations, "'and this was the result, the elephant. "'It usually stood at one end of the attic bookshelf "'where I kept a row of special books. "'Douglas had wanted to make it grow enormous.' "'The biggest elephant anyone's ever seen,' he'd said excitedly. "'Then we can ride it into the village "'and charge people lots of money to look at it.' "'How could we stop them looking if they refused to pay?' said I. "'Don't be silly. If it was that big... "'We could sell it to a zoo.' "'I said he had a mercenary mind. "'He said he was thinking of all those frames "'we'd got to pay for out-of-pocket money, "'and Christmas coming up soon, and then my birthday.' "'he'd added cunningly. "'I said my birthday wasn't until March, "'and if he thought we'd sell our bookend to a zoo, "'knowing that all they'd have for their pains after a few hours "'would be a bookend that wasn't there.' "'Oh, well,' our cousin had said impatiently, "'we can just charge through the village "'and give everyone a terrific shock.' "'Are you trying to get us into more trouble?' said Joe." "'In the end, we'd agreed to take the bookend down to the orchard and animate it, "'but only on condition that it wasn't to be any bigger than a donkey. "'Let's have something we can handle for once,' I said. "'We took the soapstone elephant to the orchard "'and watched while Douglas let it grow and grow and grow. "'By the time I had the sense to snatch the apple stone, "'the elephant was the size of a prize shire stallion. "'Douglas said he'd got carried away.' I still wonder when he would have stopped. And now here the thing was, shifting its weight from one foot to the other and complaining gently and monotonously. I want my other. Go on, Douglas, give it its other, said Joe, unkindly. I haven't got its rotten other, he snapped. The elephant rolled its eyes at us and said, Why not? "'Can we distract it?' said Nigel. Missy rummaged in the pocket of her jeans and offered it a battered-looking cookie that she'd saved to eat in bed. The elephant looked doubtfully at it and then took it delicately in its trunk and curved this up to its pointed mouth. It then mumbled at the cookie and handed it back, saying it didn't like the taste. "'Oh, Missy,' said Joe, "'it's ginger, you fool.' "'Well, they're nice,' "'I like them.' "'You're not an elephant,' Joe reminded her. "'I said she soon would be, if she kept eating cookies in bed.' "'The elephant trumpeted. "'Oh, shut up,' said Douglas. "'Don't speak to it like that,' protested Joe. "'Well, it doesn't have to shriek. "'Someone will hear and come to see.' "'They might have my other,' said the elephant, "'and trumpeted again. "'Let's go farther from the house,' I suggested.' Right out on the moor, for instance. Missy said, When were we going to have an elephant ride? I said she'd better ask the elephant. So she did. It twinkled its little eyes pleasantly at her and said, Whenever she liked. It lifted its trunk into a great curl in the air. Oh no, said Joe, please don't trumpet again, elephant dear. Why not? It's only to show my pleasure in your company, it said. "'looking surprised. "'Joe said we were delighted with its company, "'but we didn't have to show it by making ear-splitting noises. "'It said, how did we usually show happiness? "'She said, by laughing and singing. "'It said, do it then. "'There was a long silence. "'It's not so easy to laugh on the drop of a hat, "'but Douglas, who was rarely at a loss, began to sing.' "'It wasn't much of a tune, as he was making it up as he went, "'but we all knew the words. "'He thought he saw an elephant that practised on a fife. "'He looked again and saw it was a letter from his wife. "'Nigel roared with laughter, and so did Douglas. "'Missy giggled. "'Very flattering indeed,' said the elephant. "'Few would think me elegant enough to be mistaken for a letter.' "'Joe and I joined the laughter. "'Then Joe said she thought the elephant was most elegant, "'and Nigel said especially its colour. "'You blend with the apple-trees,' said he. "'You are all too kind,' murmured the elephant. "'It lifted its trunk, and then changed its mind. "'No, I must laugh and sing too, must I not?' "'Oh, do,' said Missy. It raised its trunk again, and this time produced a very curious noise, not a lot like laughter, but at least it was less rousing than the trumpeting. It said it would require practice. Then it burst into song. It thought it saw some human things that made a lot of noise. It looked again and saw they were some sort of girls and boys. We thought about this for a moment, and then applauded. After all, It was clever of the elephant to copy Lewis Carroll. It now managed to produce an almost recognizable laugh, and we all joined in. "'Now that we know we're happy,' said the elephant, "'what about having a ride?' "'Douglas said we needed an anchor, and I said we weren't going in a boat.' "'Not anchor,' said my cousin. "'Anka, a thing with a spike for goading elephants.' I always knew you were raving mad, I informed him coldly. It would take Douglas to think of goading a large, strange elephant. What we need is buns, I went on. There are plenty in the kitchen. Then, to my surprise, I saw a huge tear rolling down the elephant's face. Jo saw it, too, and she put up both hands to pat its cheek. What is it? "'A moment ago you were so happy,' said she. "'But it's come over me that I can never be truly happy.' "'What's the matter?' "'I know,' I said. "'I was right. It wanted its other. But before we could question it further on the subject, an appalling uproar broke loose. Ragnar had come galloping into the orchard to find us, and he yelped and fell over backward as he saw the elephant and tried to stop.' THE ELEPHANT GAVE A HIGH SQUEAL, AND IT NEARLY FELL OVER AS IT TURNED TO RUN. I GRABBED Ragnar, AND JOE GRABBED THE ELEPHANT. NOW, NOW, WE CRIED IN UNISON. THEN WE ASSURED THEM THAT IT WAS ALL RIGHT, AND BEGGED THEM NOT TO PANIC. Ragnar WHINED IDIOTICALLY, AND THE ELEPHANT SAID IT DIDN'T CARE FOR DOGS, AND IF THAT ONE WAS STAYING, IT WAS GOING. I SAID SOMEONE WOULD TAKE THE DANE BACK TO THE HOUSE. "'You take him,' said Joe. "'Why me? "'You're the eldest.' "'It is funny how they all remember that "'whenever there is something they don't want to do,' I protested. "'You can get some buns at the same time,' suggested Nigel. "'We'll wait for you here,' said Joe. "'It won't take you long.' "'We'll just practice riding on the elephant,' said Douglas. "'I bet you will,' I said.' "'I took Ragnar by the collar and led him away. "'He was glad to go. "'When I pointed out his cozy basket by the kitchen stove, "'he went straight in, turned around three times, "'flopped down, and stared at me sadly over his crossed paws. "'Well, I'm sorry,' I said, "'but I can't help it if elephants are afraid of dogs. "'It's all that barking and rushing about "'and getting under their feet. "'They don't like mice either,' I remembered.' "'It didn't soothe him. "'He snuffled sadly, as I took several buns and stuffed them in my pocket. "'I gave him one, and he had just managed to pouch it in his cheek when Mrs. Chug came in. "'She said she'd set a cold meal on the table, and we were to come and get it when we were ready. "'Make some cocoa,' said she. "'I'm away a bit early tonight. "'It's a long film.' "'I thanked her, hoped she'd enjoy it, and went off back to my family.' "'but when I was less than halfway to the orchard, I stopped in my tracks. "'Oh,' I said aloud, "'of course, how stupid I am!' "'I returned to the house. "'Dad was in the studio, working with Mother on some new puppets. "'The studio had once been a conservatory, a huge Victorian one, "'all colored glass and iron columns and steps down into the garden.' "'My parents were wearing paint-spattered shirts and jeans "'and looked very concentrated on what they were doing. Mum had a puppet on her hand "'and was wiggling it about to see how it looked from every angle. "'I could have told her. "'It looked revolting, but I said nothing. "'I didn't care to hurt her feelings. "'Do you think it's like an elephant?' she said, seeing me. "'I started. "'Not the one we've got,' I said, without thinking.' Then I thought, and said I meant the one in the attic on the bookshelf. Mum said her puppet wasn't meant to look like a bookend. It was meant, said she, to look like a real, jungle, circus elephant. Well, it's got a trunk, I said. Not many animals have, so it would have to be an elephant. What else could it be? She said, flattery would get me nowhere. What I came to ask, I said, changing the subject, is... "'Where's the other bookend?' "'What other?' mumbled Dad, through paintbrushes in his mouth. "'He also had one in each hand, and seemed to be painting some scenery that looked a lot like seaweed, "'but when I looked closer it was more like writhing green worms. "'I asked Dad about this, and he said coldly that it was meant to be a woodland glade.' Darling Jeremy, said mother, it's not truly artistic to carry realism to extremes. One should convey, not insist. A work of art is never merely an exact copy of its subject. Then, that's a good one, I said. Dad grinned lopsidedly around the brushes and mumbled something about critics. And what about the bookend, I said, reverting to my own subject. They'd forgotten what I was talking about. I reminded them. "'There must be two, I said. "'There always are. One for each end of the books. You understand?' They said they understood. "'Well, we've only got one in the orchard, the attic, and we'd like the other as well. The books keep falling down, and the one we've got is missing the other.' Dad outlined a blue leaf with purple paint, and Mum wiggled her hand to make her puppet bow. They said I was getting a bit whimsical, wasn't I? I said I got my imagination from my ancestors. They both began to laugh, and Dad nearly swallowed a brush about this bookend. I pursued, if you mean those green things, said Mother, those ghastly elephants that Auntie Johnny gave us for a wedding present, probably I said. Well, surely one got broken, and you have the other. No, said Dad. I don't know what happened to one of them, but the other's over there, propping the door open. I looked. The door into the dining room was being held ajar by a green soapstone elephant. That's it! I yelled. Don't, dear, said mother, flinching. That's it! I whispered. Look, if you want it, have it, said Dad but you must find us something else to take its place. The door bumps and bangs, if it's left to itself. I looked quickly all around the studio. I suggested the wooden box in the corner, if it was laid on its side, but they said it was the puppet's wardrobe and mustn't be disturbed. I found a block of wood, and Dad said it was going to be some new cross-pieces for the scenery. I said, couldn't it be a door-stop till it became cross-pieces? He said it couldn't. Then I suppose I began to look a bit wild, for they suddenly got helpful. "'Oh, we'll find something,' said Mother. "'That book,' said Dad, indicating one on a side table. "'If it holds the door, it'll do splendidly, "'and then you can take your precious bookend, since you're so struck on the thing.' The book was heavy enough to hold the door. I grabbed up the green elephant, and thanked my parents, and made for the garden steps." "'Just a moment,' said Mum, suddenly. "'Let me see that, dear. "'I'm daft, you know. "'I've been wondering about this puppet, "'and there's a model under my nose the whole time. "'You can have it tomorrow, Jeremy, "'when I've done making this creature.' "'Oh, Mother,' I said reproachfully, "'you don't want it to look like a bookend, "'and besides, it's not artistic to carry realism too far. "'My parents looked at me. "'Then Dad told me to buzz off, "'and Mum said take my bookend with me.' I heard them laughing, as I buzzed. Only silence was coming from the orchard when I got near it, which worried me. And I was more worried still to get there and discover the reason. The others had gone. So had the elephant. Where? Why? We'd meant to take it out on the moor. Had they done so? The creature had been a bit excited when I left, because of Ragnar. I had heard that elephants did run amuck sometimes. Could an animated bookend go must? I began to run over the field, and then a thought came to me. I took the bag from my neck and tipped the applestone out of it into my hand. It had grown very heavy, indeed, during the last couple of days, and it was a relief to free my neck from its weight. I said, I don't want to bother you, Applestone, but if I could just have a word, "'Help yourself,' it said sleepily. "'You know we made a vow not to use you more than once a day.' "'It woke up a good deal, and said snappishly that it hoped I didn't intend to break the vow. "'I'll be disappointed in you, Jeremy, if you do,' it said severely, "'and you the eldest.' "'Even the apple-stone had got on to that.' "'What do you like at grammar?' I said." It said it knew eight hundred and sixty-seven languages, including their spelling, idioms, and grammar. It said it had noticed I took an interest in literature, which made a pleasing change from the crass ignorance of some of the people it had met. Apart from all that, I said, politely but hurriedly, in correct grammatical usage, the word pair is a single collective noun, isn't it? I mean... "'You can't say a pair of things are doing anything. "'You say a pair is. "'It's like the word crowd. "'You can't say a crowd of people are gathering. "'You say a crowd is gathering.' "'Where?' said the apple-stone. "'Where what?' "'Where is this crowd gathering?' "'No, no, that was an example.' "'Don't confuse me,' said the stone "'Never mind examples come to the point.' "'If a pair means two of something,' I said carefully, "'and the word pair is single, "'then the two things are really one. "'Do you see?' "'I see just where this is leading. "'You want to use me on the other elephant.' "'Not if it's breaking the vow, "'but if this is one of a pair, "'then it would only be using you once, "'and if I bring this one alive,' I hurried on, It can probably lead me to its other. They've been parted for so long. You bring tears to my heart, said the apple stone, acidly. But as a pair is only one. Don't go on about that, said the stone. If you want to use me. Only if it isn't breaking my vow. It shall not count as breaking your vow. I absolve you, said the stone. And what's more, I congratulate you. Never in all my long life have I been handed such a load of tortuous reasoning, and from one so seemingly inexperienced. You get a lot of experience with my relatives, I said. Not Ulysses in full swing, not Machiavelli, neither the serpent nor the fox, said the Applestone. You should go far, my boy, the farther the better. Then, if I have your permission? Take it next moment the little green elephant began to wiggle and squeak. I put it down rather quickly, keeping the stone against its shoulder, until I judged it to be about the same size as its other. And there it stood, shifting its weight from foot to foot, rolling its eyes, and complaining gently and monotonously. "'Where is—I want—' "'Well,' I said, "'it's over there somewhere.' I pointed in the general direction of the moors. The elephant swung its trunk high into the air and trumpeted. "'Shh!' I said. "'I know! I can feel where my other waits for me!' it cried excitedly. "'I can sense! I can hear! I can smell!' I had replaced the stone around my neck, and clambered onto the branch of a tree, and now I got down onto the creature's wide and sloping shoulder. I sat there, and balanced myself carefully." "'Find it, then!' I cried. "'Yes! Oh, yes, yes! I'm coming, my other!' screamed the elephant. "'It set off at a lumbering gallop across the meadow. "'It was very exciting, if you like that sort of thing. "'We managed to get up a fairly rattling pace, "'and it wasn't so easy to hold on, but somehow I did.' Much later my relatives told me how they'd been taking turns riding their green elephant in the orchard. All was placid, and Missy had suddenly said she was Mowgli and ordered the elephant to run. Being good-natured and obliging, it did so. It ran all the way to the moor, with the rest racing in pursuit. It only stopped when Missy got enough breath back to yell at it to do so. "'Then the others said they thought I'd know where to find them, "'that I would be sure to think they'd come to this flat bit of moor "'where the primroses grew so well in spring. "'I don't know why they thought I'd think they thought this. "'In my opinion, they'd just forgotten all about me. "'And then,' they said, "'all of a sudden, the elephant stopped in its tracks. "'It trumpeted. "'It screamed that it could feel its other waiting for it somewhere. "'It said it could sense. "'It could hear. "'It could smell.' "'and it had started off in the direction of the house, at a gallop. "'I'm happy to say it was Douglas who fell off, as it got into top gear. "'I'm happy to say that I managed to jump off just in time. "'I'm happy to say that I saw the meeting of the elephants. "'While they were picking themselves up, "'I told them that at least they'd now come together, well and truly. "'They trumpeted in unison. "'Shh!' I said. They patted each other with their trunks, and chortled and giggled, until my family came panting up to join us. They said they were shocked to find I'd used the stone again and broken my vow. I explained. Then I said I was shocked to find they'd just calmly gone off without me. They tried to explain. Then we all simmered down, mostly because the pair of elephants was so happy that we just had to join that happiness.' It was one of the nicest evenings of my life. We rode the elephants all around the orchard and the fields and the paddock. It was a lovely feeling, padding through the dark of the evening with a friendly elephant chatting to you as you rode. And they did tricks for us, like waltzing together and standing on their heads. They lifted us into the air in their trunks. They let us stand on their shoulders and pretend to be Hannibal, though I shouldn't think he stood all the way over the Alps. It was a wonderful evening. The big creatures were so friendly, and so gentle, and so very, very happy. And they laughed a lot, and sang curious little songs to one another. When we had to go at last, we left them in the orchard, one on each side of the biggest apple tree, just touching it with their curled-up trunks. They said they would like to stay like this until we slept, and returned them to their being and I promised to see that they didn't get parted again. As we went through the gate into the garden, I looked back. The elephants stood huge and green and shining in the first of the moonlight, looking exactly like a pair of bookends. And that's the end of Chapter 10. I'll see you next time.